Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. Thanks for joining us today. But before we get started, hit that subscribe button, hit that ring bell. That really helps out the channel. Um, before we get into our next uh, guest, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for participating um, in our channel. Um, we really work hard in order to bring some of the best guests possible onto our uh, YouTube channel, um, Spotify and Apple um, and we just want to thank you. Without you, obviously, there is no channel. So I'm hoping and wishing all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm actually in Utah right now with my family and uh, visiting my uh, daughter and her husband, my son-in-law, um, and then all my other children have come in. So it's great to be together. I hope that all of you and your family is together as well. All right. Um, our next guest is Mr. Tyler James. He is the owner of Comics Tribe that have brought amazing titles like Epic. Um, he also, um, off the success of all the Kickstarters that they've had under Comics Tribe, um, he is an expert when it comes to Kickstarter crowdfunding. He actually has the number one comic book crowdfunding podcast um, in the world, and uh, you should check it out. It is called Comics Launch. Um, and it is awesome. Gives you amazing interviews with other Kickstarter um, comic book creators, um, artists and writers, um, and also gives a lot of really good um, feedback on how to be successful when it comes to um, crowdfunding. All right. Without further ado, here is our next guest, Mr. Tyler James. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. Today, I have another amazing guest. Today, I have Mr. Tyler James. He is the publisher of Comics Tribe, and he's also the host of Comics Launch. Um, and obviously, you've written some comics. You have a lot of a great experience, Tyler. Really glad to have you on the show to kind of walk through some of that experience. Um, I know you've been a help to a lot of people, so maybe we could talk about that as well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. This is, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on the holidays. Yeah. This is sort of like the last sort of full we work week before I take a little bit of a break uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> into the new year. So just trying to finish uh, finish the year strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, you and your family have some pretty cool plans. And uh, yeah, it's always kind of fun. It's a weird uh, time that it's kind of landing on, right? Isn't it? Is it Monday or what, Sunday? <laughs> Something yeah, like yeah. It's it's uh, a little little different, but yeah. um, you know, I've got, I have a five year old who has been counting it down since <laughs> I don't know since <laughs> since uh, Halloween probably. So yeah, exactly, yeah. We, we, we've got we're in that season where uh, it's still still kind of magical. So I'm excited about it. That's awesome. All my kids are over eighteen, so. You know, those days are gone, but I certainly miss some, man. Nothing more special than having a, a someone young that's super excited about that. It makes you excited about it, right? really does. It really yeah. does. That's all. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, inviting me on the show. Uh, and I, I love talking comics, ta uh, everything from the making of them to how you actually build an audience for them and, and you know, do this in a sustainable way. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I've... Definitely, as I have done what I've done a, as a creator, uh, one of the things that I've just always been passionate about is like when I learn something, I got to share it <laughs> when I when I uh, do something, I, I, sort of my background and my sort of passion and heart is is that of a teacher. Yeah. So, um, you know, for the last uh, eight years or so, I've really combined my love of comics with also my you know desire to sort of teach and, and share what really works to yeah. build audiences and launch awesome comic projects to them, um, harnessing tools like crowdfunding uh, and, you know, 
the Kickstarter platform in particular. Yeah. Um, but so much more than that, you know, uh, there's, there's so much that goes into uh, just getting uh, books out into the world. Um, and so I, I just love working with creators to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome, Tyler. I, I think, uh, I mean, nothing's more scarier than jumping into your first Kickstarter and <laughs> you're like halfway through and you're not sure if you're going to make it. You know, yeah. it's such an amazing platform, but it also, I feel like creates so much stress in your life if you don't know what you're doing, which a lot of times I don't know what I'm doing personally. Um, so yeah, I think it's so amazing that you're out there to help, but, uh, maybe before we kind of get into that, Tyler, maybe we could kind of take a step back, I man. I would love to kind of understand your passion around comics, um, that would be awesome, man. When when was your first comic that you picked up? You remember that? You know, I, I mean, I, I think comics were sort of always there in my uh-huh. life, you know, yeah. having uncles, having other people, you know, like yeah. and, and that was one of the things that was, you know, big, big for me was, you know, I was always surrounded by superheroes, Batman, superhero, uh, Superman, et cetera, uh, to the point where, you know, when when I was my cousin's age, I would come back from school with a backpack full of Batman utility belts that I had made at home or like little masks and things like that. And my my mom did tell me that uh, she was concerned what I would do when I discovered that I w- could not actually become a superhero uh, <laughs> when I grew up. Um, and uh, I guess uh, eventually she learned, well, you know, you, you might not be able to come become a superhero, but you should you can write books about them and and i have and uh and so that was uh that was fun but um you know when i think about the the light bulb light switch moment for me was uh you know i read the comics read the superman read the spider-man but back in the day pre-internet as we know it today pre-everything that's ever been created uh lives digitally I recognized that there was like this, you know, frustration that no matter what, I would never be able to read all of Spider-Man or yeah. all of Superman or all of anything because yeah. I didn't have an extra, you know, $500,000 sitting around <laughs> to go grab uh, issue number one. And, yeah. and even, and, and, you know, even back then graphic novels, trade collections, what weren't really a thing like they are today. Uh, and so that was always a little bit of a frustration with me. And that was also why I was so um, excited to about like the image creation um, where the idea of like, you know, these creators that are some of the top guys from Marvel and DC just branching off, starting their own universe from scratch that I could jump in and get involved with yeah. from the very be- beginning and like, I didn't have to go back into the archive. I could just go to my comic shop and, and get caught up. And, and so I was, a you know, that, and I was like probably 13, 14 at that time. So it was like the perfect time. And so that got me into it. Um, and then I quickly found this like, Oh, like it dawned on me. It's somewhere in there as I'm like reading the names of the, um, the creators behind it. And they would do little features in the back of some of those early image books about the creators. And these are like people that weren't that much older. A lot of them weren't that much older than me. Yeah. And it sort of dawned on me that, Oh, wait a minute. Like these, these characters, the, they aren't something that just always existed. They were created. And, you know, and that was something that like, I think, you know, kind of different, like Mickey mouse, like, 
<laughs> Spider-Man, Superman, like they've existed as long as we've been around, as long as we've been alive. They're just like thing like the Grand Canyon or the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. Right. Right. Like, yeah, they just existed in the world and you sort of lose track that, oh, there's actually creators that are behind this thing. And I think what happens with a lot of comic fans uh, at some point is like you read enough of them you're like hey i want to i want to make some of these myself and yeah. um and i started paying more attention to the creator's names than the character's names in yeah, some yeah. regards uh, and so when i was um and i probably started started drawing comics pretty regularly when i was 12 and um started like making actual completed books in 13 14 and you know doing the printing them up at your dad my dad's or my stepdad's uh office just yeah. <laughs> maxing out his xerox machine using up all his uh copy paper to, yeah, yeah. To, to print these books on my my own but but i loved it and um and so that was that was really my sort of uh, comics origin story yeah that's awesome man and then as far as uh actually um publishing your first comic when did that take place yeah i mean I, you know it's such a weird it's such a world right now where like what do you what do we even consider your first published work right like, good point yeah you know my, my first the first comic that i ever sold i sold nine copies for a buck a piece out of my backpack in high school I can't but you know what like <laughs> like the elation of having yeah. people buy that was for probably sure. on par with that first Kickstarter that did twenty six thousand right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. dollars. It's uh, you know, it, it's all relative. It all it all scales. But um, you know, I, I made a lot of comics when I was in high school, but didn't really publish them yeah. beyond just you know printing up a few copies and everything like that. Um, just still weren't really in the world of like print on demand. Wasn't really there. Right. I remember like, and and also like there wasn't, there weren't the resources out there that were today. You know, I, I had one book on comics, which was the Stan Lee, yeah. uh, John Buscema book that, uh, yeah, I think I have, you know, oh, I'm sure you, have, I'm sure, I mean, it, it's still a great place to start, yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. thing hadn't been updated in, in, you know, 25 years when I got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff I, I didn't know. So like, you know, there was one comic, uh, that I drew like my whole senior year of, college or senior year of high school uh -huh. that I did on like this massive pay Bristol board. Like I heard yeah. people use Bristol board yeah. and I'm like, well, they got this, but why not go with the big one? It was like this, you know, it was like, I don't know, 14 by 17, yeah, uh, yeah. like much, like a lot better, bigger than um, what most comic boards are. And, and such that like to even get it shrunk down to print uh, and to be able to print it. Like my dad had to find like a specialty printer that would do it and spent a lot of money, like just reducing the thing. Cause yeah. you know, just didn't know. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then um, I took a bit, there was sort of a big gap uh, where I went to college and then, you know, had a tough job after uh, teaching and, 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 you know, under-resourced inner city school uh, yeah. for a couple of years afterwards. And so there was kind of like very little time for me to do comics, but by my mid twenties, like I just recognized that there was like this really creative void in my life. Um, but I was also found myself like at, at my office job, like occasionally jumping in on comic creator message boards and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and realizing, Oh man, you know, a lot has changed in this, uh, you know, in the industry and there's a lot of resources out there. And, and, um, I slowly just, you know, I took a 
class on comic book script writing, which sort of changed how I approached just the mm -hmm. creation side of things, but got me really just back into creating pretty, pretty regularly. Right. And, um, and then I, I jumped into a project that was just kind of me um, on my own doing everything, the writing, the drawing, the inking, the mm -hmm. lettering, the coloring, you know, from, and, um, and then ended up uh, printing that uh, just doing a print on demand thing. Uh, yeah putting publishing it under Tyler James comics. Cause I had nothing, you know, no other name to, to do it. Uh, so I might as well use my own Yeah, and started uh, going to conventions and yeah. having the blast and the adrenaline rush, much like it was when I was, you know, nine, you're selling, selling my comics at 12 years old or 14 years old yeah. um, where people are buying your comics and, you know, checking out original artwork or asking you for sketches and, yeah. and, um, and so, yeah, so, so that kind of got me into it. Yeah. And then um, after a couple of like projects that did, did okay, but I also sort of recognized, huh, by doing every single thing myself, yeah, I can only put out maybe a book a year. Yeah. And also my book would only be as good as the thing that I was, uh, you know, worse that. <laughs> and so, you know, like you're only as good as your weakest link idea. <laughs> and I, I sort of had a little moment of like, you know, what are my goals here? What, what do I want to do? And it's like, I, I don't want to just put out one book a year. I don't want to just work in one genre. I, I, like there are other stories that I want to tell, and I'm probably not the best artist for most of the stories that I want to tell. Right. And I, I sort of had the, you know, enough of a drive or just competitive edge. It's like, Hey man, I, you know, I don't really just want to compete uh, in the indie artist alley section of my local convention. Like I want books on every shelf in the nation. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah at, the, at this time, you know, and I, I want to compete with the the comics that everybody's reading and celebrating and, and loving. And I sort of realized, well, to do that, I'm probably going to have to uh, work with uh, build teams, you know, work, work with creators, artists that are better than me, uh, work with colorists that are that are top notch, get color cover artists that can do um, can do more. Right. And um, and so that was sort of like the what led to the creation of comics tribe, my publishing imprint and ultimately uh, working with a lot more creators and, uh, and, and sliding, uh, taking kind of a little bit of a step back from primarily being a cre like creative writer, writer and more of a publisher uh, yeah, and yeah. imprint focused. Um, and so, you know, comics tribe was born in 2011 uh, and we, um, and, and and one of the things that we decided to do, uh, my co-founder uh, and editor in chief, uh, Stephen Forbes, we sort of decided that, hey, you know, let's document the journey of starting a new comic book company from scratch. And what what are we going to learn? And 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 we'll use like the Comics Tribe website and the blog as a resource for creators that to sort of learn, you know, learn from us. Um, and, and so when we started it, we had no distribution, yeah. we had a couple, a couple of books in the works, a couple of projects in the works, nothing. Um, but fast forward, you know, just a few years and we had distribution with diamond. We started having, um, 
a lot of success on Kickstarter and had just learned a ton. And, and some of our books were winning awards and getting, you know, rave reviews. And we were working with really cool creators and yeah. giving, giving the first, you know, first paid work to many creators that have gone on to have really great careers. And so it's been, it's been a, a hell of a journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, when did you, uh, so you, you're going through this process with Steven, you're coming up with these, uh, these processes are step-by-step step of how to be successful, yeah. um, especially on the crowdfunding. And then all of a sudden crowdfunding explodes. Um, can you kind of walk us through where you found some of these uh, like missing links for most creators when it comes to crowdfunding? Cause I, I think there's a lot of questions around there. It does seem to be like an, a, an Instagram algorithm type thing where like, how do I get successful and how come some creators are just blowing it up? And then other ones who maybe in your mind think have even a better product can't even scratch the surface of what crowdfunding can uh, provide for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first became aware of Kickstarter, mm -hmm. you know, I was as skeptical as probably anybody. It's like, why would this work? You know, it's like, yeah. uh, we're, we're having trouble selling these books that we already printed 50 copies of. Yeah. <laughs> why, you know, exactly. why, why would it work that this book that you're not, you're, you're it isn't even done, doesn't even exist yet. People yeah. are going to give you money. Like it, it, it was baffling uh, yeah. to me at first. Uh, and I, I was kind of able to dismiss it a little bit because when I first start, uh, was aware of it, uh, I, you know, I had some friends that launched projects or had some projects that like, yeah, that, that looks like a worthy project. But, yeah. you know, the first four projects I backed all kind of failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, and most projects didn't succeed. Uh, yeah. And but eventually um, there were a couple projects that just really seemed to lock into something and and take off and i sort of saw the potential mm. of um, of what it could be if you run a really good campaign yeah. um there wasn't a lot of resources out there for what a really good campaign looked like but there were a couple mm -hmm. and there were a couple of examples and i just really just saw this saw the writing on the wall that hey this if you could build excitement around a product like this has more of a chance to succeed than a lot of the other things. Um, you know, I don't know if you were paying attention to the scene around the time, uh, which was, you know, sort of predated Kickstarter a little bit, but when DC launched a initiative called Zuda comics, which was their digital, they basically, launched an initiative to support digital comics. It was sort of like their web comics play. Yeah. Um, but the thing that was interesting about it is that every month they held an online contest where uh, I believe eight or 10, yeah, 10 comics competed. Uh, and every one of those comics in the competition got a check for like 500 bucks mm -hmm. uh, for all of eight pages of, of sort of like an eight page pitch. Yeah. And then one of those uh, would be uh, rewarded based on voting uh, with a contract that was worth like twenty six thousand dollars or something like that to, to make like a season's worth of content. Yeah. And that like, you know, 
for all all its challenges, all its problems, and, and the fact that it didn't ultimately last or work, mm-hmm. what that like that initiative with real money behind it injected so much uh, just life into the indie comic creator community. Where all of a sudden, some of those me- a lot of those message boards that I've been hanging out with are are like, "Hey, let's let's do this. Let's compete. We'll put together a team." Yeah. Um, and you know, for a lot of creators like it's hard to invest in pitch in pitches or in things when there's like a very when when there's no chance of recouping your your funding or your your money that became really difficult Um, but this became like this one little chance that hey there's there's a chance there's a pretty good chance you'll make the initial competition and there's 500 bucks which you can pay an artist a a little bit a month like it's a little something right (laughs) Um, and so anyway, but if you, if you got into that competition, I think I, I, I was in two or three of them. Mm. Um, and I, you know, got checks from, uh, DC comics and got on their mailing list, which, uh, for Christmas cards, which was, you know, (laughs) as a a relatively young creator, like that was just like a boost of confidence. Like I was able to get a pro badge at New York comic-con based on that. I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm in this world now. Um, but more so than that, it, it was like everything that went into, all right, you're in this contest, but now it's up to you to get uh, people to check it out, get people to go vote, um, promote, like do social media, learn a little bit about paid traffic and pay, running ads to your thing so that you could get more eyeballs on it. And and there was like game gamesmanship and everything. And so like when I was involved in those contests it gave me a little bit of a crash course on like comic book marketing mm-hmm. understanding that there's a return on the other end yeah unfortunately the zuda thing like there was only really one grand prize winner and a lot of that you know that effort would go to some projects that wouldn't ultimately go anywhere yeah but i sort of was primed and ready based on that experience to then apply that same stuff to kickstarter and what's great about Kickstarter is there can be a lot more winners, right? Yeah, like exactly. everybody's sort of running their own campaign based on their own goals and everything like that. And so I did feel like I had a little bit of a leg up just because I had started contextualizing and learning the value of an email list yeah. and audience engagement and uh, and and having an online presence and uh, and and treating uh, a launch like a campaign as opposed to, Hey, I got this thing on sale. Yeah. Buy it if you like it. Or if you don't, don't, you know, like (laughs) we, we see a lot of humble or or overly humble, um, or, uh, uh, create like creators take that approach when they're doing their marketing. And unfortunately it, uh, unless your work is so overwhelmingly breathtakingly <laughs> unabashedly undeniably amazing yeah. <laughs> uh it doesn't it, it won't sell itself <laughs> right? it's a lot for the the consumer to have to learn on their own too which doesn't happen in any business usually yeah absolutely absolutely and so anyway so you know i applied everything that i learned from zuda and then everything that i had been researched from campaigns that i thought did it particularly well and and the very few amount of of uh, resources that were written specifically about launching comic book kickstarter projects uh and i applied those to my very first launch and 
that first launch, you know, had 450 backers and raised $26,000, which if you had combined like all of my comic sales and efforts since I'd started making them in, you know, at age 14, uh, it, you know, vastly out outweighed with just that one launch in just those 30 days, like everything that I had done previously collectively from conventions to trying to sell the local comic shops, doing consignment, all these other crazy stuff. Um, and so for the first time ever, like I had capital in my comics business to work with yeah. and, an, and, a you know, a decent size cut audience base, 30% of which was international that had, were just dis, like 30 to 40% discovered us on Kickstarter. Wow. Um, and so, all, so that was just like this massive injection of, not just confidence and and oh yes you know we can do this but also capital yeah. and you know, when you're running a business you know like money like tangible money in a bank account like that's the lifeblood sure. that makes the whole thing run yeah. and so that was and and we were able to sort of parlay that into okay well hey now we can invest in bigger print runs uh, so that we can actually reach out to a diamond and get in the diamond catalog and we can sh use this as a proof point that that we have an audience and, and and get accepted there and and we have some other series that we can sort of invest in and and it really just um helped things take off uh from there but um one of the misconceptions that i had even going into that first successful launch is and one of the reasons why i probably delayed maybe a year longer than i would than i actually needed to to actually launch that first kickstarter project was that i had the idea back then that well, you know, this crowdfunding thing, you know, it's probably like it, it's a Kickstarter, but you but start you only start at the beginning. Yeah. So you get like one crack at this. Yeah. So you better make it count. And so I like, no, not this project, not this project, not this project. I want to do a project that would maximize it. And so my first launch was for an, an anthology project around a popular character that we had sort of uh, that, that sort of had a, you know, just a visceral appeal that we proved at conventions and just people like I, I saw, tell me about this guy right it was one of those things it's like all right we'll, we'll do it we'll do an anthology project about this character which was uh, oxymoron a serial killer obsessed with contradiction um he was a a minor character um in sort of like a red herring character a little bit in my series the red 10 um but um but just had a lot of appeal so um built an anthology knowing that well i'm like all right my i do have a little bit of an audience that i've picked up over the years but if i can tap into the power of all of the other creators uh audiences uh, maybe th that'll give this thing a good chance of getting funded yeah but awesome. but i didn't know then what i know now that if you do a great launch if you treat your backers well if you uh under promise over deliver uh if you make a great product they're going to be asking you hey yeah. let's run this back when are you going to yeah. come back when, what's next the next product? thing that i can support yeah. and to fast forward today where I, there's a big chunk of the comic buying uh audience um that does the majority of their support of the industry on crowdfunding campaigns they're not going to the comic shops every single week they're not necessarily getting to conventions um every year kickstarter is kind of how they interact with the industry and so um and and how they consume their their comics and so um the fact that it that it is a renewable 
resource if you'd use it correctly. Um, I, I figured that out pretty early, but um, probably not early, like as early as uh, as I wish I had. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, so um, so we, we kept launching and pe as yeah. people were asking for more and we, and we did a few more launches. And I think by like my fifth launch, I'm like, wait a minute, I kind of feel like I start from scratch on these projects every single time. Let me let me systematize this a little bit. So I started doing things like coming up with a project folder template and some checklists and some cheat sheets and things so that I wasn't for myself recreating the wheel every time I was making things easier. Um, and around that same time, I also was noticing that on the Comics Tribe blog that I had written uh, and th that um, Kickstarter related content was the things that people were reading the most on the site. It was also the things that when I would do conventions and people would come up to me, they would, you know, mention, oh, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about crowdfunding. You seem to figure this uh, a thing or two out about it. Um, and so at that same time, um, we were having some more traction. Like I was still mostly focused on the direct market and because uh, I worked with a lot of creators that have and um, aspirations for writing with, uh, you know, the, the writing for the big two and and yeah. and doing other things. So being relevant in uh, on your local comic shelves um, was important to a lot of the creators that I work with. Uh, and so a lot of the focus was was in uh, in the direct market, even while we were doing, you know, one or two Kickstarters a year. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so there was a disconnect that was happening between like the critical acclaim of some of the books that we were, we were putting out and what they were selling in the direct market. And I'm like, man, uh, well, that falls on me, the publisher, like I, my, my, I, I, I'm getting great. I should be graded on the sales. And so I really did a deep dive into the marketing to just like, all right, I know some stuff. I'm pretty good at a few things, but how do I get even better at this stuff? And and so like I just found myself going down like a, a fun rabbit hole of the world of marketing and and looking outside of comics for inspiration or things or uh, techniques uh, that I could implement myself to to do to you know increase our sales and improve our sales um, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And at, at that time, I was. Um, consuming a lot of podcasts, reading a lot of audiobooks, and another much like you read enough comics, you want to start making comics, you listen to enough podcasts, you're like, ah, why don't I have a podcast? And, you know, these articles that I've been writing that I that every, you know, every time I publish them, I then go back and have to change have to re-update it 15 times because I found uh, typos. Yeah. Like, a lot less uh wouldn't it be a lot more fun to just talk into a microphone yeah <laughs> right sure, yeah and so when i decided to do do the comics launch podcast yeah. at this time i was also learning about the power of niching down and focusing and and in order to connect like you would rather be you know there, there can only be a few like Joe Rogans or whatever that are out there. Just we're talking about whatever and have yeah. whatever guests and, and, and use the power of our celebrity. Like that was never going to be me. Uh, but what I could do because it didn't exist was create the number one comic book crowdfunding podcast yeah. on the planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't exist. Might <laughs> as well, might as well make it. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and so, um, 
So that's what I did. I really niched down to comics, crowdfunding, mindset strategies, tactics. Uh, and that was the Comics Launch podcast that started in 2015. Um, when I started it, I'm like, you know what? Let me, um, I'll commit to doing uh, half a year's worth of episodes. I'll commit to doing 20, 20, no, actually, I think I started with 12. And then I then I went to 24. And then after doing 24 consecutive weeks, I'm like, why would I ever stop? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I haven't stopped <laughs> since. I'm on a roll, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so so that was really a, um, you know, the, it, there's a, for, for doctors, you know, when they, uh, when they try to learn a, a new procedure, it's like watch one, uh, do one, teach one. Right. And, and I've often been a, a proponent that like, you don't truly, you don't truly, you haven't truly mastered something until you can teach it to someone else and they can get good results with it. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, part of, doing the comics launch podcast was like, Hey, this is going to force me to get better at this. It might also force me to do some things that I wouldn't normally just do. Like actually let me do some, some original quantitative or qualitative research yeah, yeah. and let me crunch numbers on, you know, the Kickstarter platform and, and what actually works versus just analytics. And so um, let me run, let me do some surveys of creators and, and actually like see hone in on, on what the real struggles and challenges are. And so I've really been in that world since, uh, since 2015 doing that while at the same time using crowdfunding, continually using crowdfunding to build my publishing business. And it is a major, still a major component of our annual sales and what we've been able to, uh, just achieve on the publishing side. Um, and that includes the comics and graphic novels that we've continued to put out. Uh, and then I also, much to my surprise, but something I'm I'm really grateful that I got involved with because it's been, you know, incredibly successful and lucrative is the, um, we started a children's book uh, and toy brand mm. uh, called CS for Cthulhu um, that we publish under the Comics Tribe imprint as well that um, has just, I mean, it's the number two all-time most successful children's brand, children's uh, book brand on the Kickstarter platform. That's great. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've sold, uh, I think we're up to 14,000 copies of the original board book and it's been translated into three foreign languages. Uh, we've got the the 10th anniversary uh, remastered edition is coming out next year, along with uh, and and we've got like a line of plush toys and all kinds of cool stuff like that. And and um, never would have thought I would be in the children's book space uh, when I got into this, but you know now that I have a a five year old uh, and he's been sort of our our model uh, for the yeah, last yeah. five five <laughs> five years of uh, just putting him next to our our products. Um, it, it's worked out really good. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Well, I mean, you have like this explosion of crowdfunding that has taken place um, of different sites, right? So you have Kickstarter, which I think is still the most well known. You have Indiegogo, which I think is another great platform. But now you got Crowdfunder. You have Fund My Comic. You have Zoop. Like and, and like a lot of things, when they, they start to hit a peak of popularity and a lot of people start to get into it, right? You have yeah. all these options and then eventually it'll come down and it'll plateau somewhere. Um, and that's normal in any business, right? Yeah. Um, 
when you look at all these crowdfunding sites, do you think we're still at the beginning? You think there's still going to be more that pop up or do you think we're starting to come back down and it will plateau somewhere? Will you have like three that are really strong and the other ones will kind of die off eventually? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. Uh, it did feel like for a minute that, uh, Every couple of months, there was a new yeah. uh, platform um, launching. Yeah. And now, like, I I would say it would be, it would probably be tough, a tough business to get in right now if you were a, if you were trying to start a brand new one. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, it's similar to what we, what we are, um, we're already talking about of like, you know, broad versus versus niching down like yeah. the ones that i think have a chance are the ones that are specifically doing things different mm -hmm. uh, kickstarter is by far you know I, the last time i checked it was still you know 5x its nearest competitor mm -hmm. in terms of the traffic volume that it gets and the uh, funding that is raised on that platform um in terms of crowdfunding for creative projects. Now I do know GoFundMe is huge. Um, and there's a bunch of charity crowdfunding sites that are, that are very, very big. Um, I think what Zoop is doing is pretty interesting because they, while they do have sort of a closer to Kickstarter open model, you do, you do, you know, you run it. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of their, most important value propositions is that there are a lot of creators out there and artists uh, who they're just like, man, I would love to launch this thing. I know crowdfunding is probably the only way that I can make the book the way I want it uh, and, and, and have control over the end product and, and add the belt, fancy bells and whistles and everything and, and maximize um, what the project can make. But, I don't want to do all of the steps and all of the things that go into crowdfunding. And so the, the Zoop model of, Hey, we're, we'll run, we'll run and we'll take care of the fulfillment and we'll take more, you know, we're going to take a big chunk more than, than what any of the other platforms are going to take, but we're also going to do a lot more. Yeah. I do think that is a nice differentiator for them and I'm glad they exist. Mm -hmm. um, I think backer kit, I, I thought backer kit, of all of the ones, all of the platforms would be in the best position to yeah. take a big chunk out of Kickstarter's, um, just uh, just out of the Kickstarter pie because they already have, like they they already have established working relationships with yeah. the biggest Kickstarter project creators out there, mm -hmm. uh, and and then they also do have. Um, built in like a, a, a user base and a familiarity with the name backer kit because all of the big Kickstarter creators like Kickstarter is not set up to support really big, really complicated campaigns. It's just not backer kit is, is almost a necessity mm -hmm. um, for those big campaigns. And so they, they actually have a big database of customers and they're able to, um, to take advantage of that. Um, so I, I've actually been a little bit surprised at how, slow backer kits growth for their new crowdfunding platform has been given 
the advantage that they have over some of the other thing, uh, other platforms like crowdfunder of such a big um, built-in audience. Uh, like right, like with more of the consumer, like you know, as a creator, you're very right. familiar with Backerkit. As a purchaser, you're familiar in in the instance of I'm I've gone in there and I've put in my information. They have my information, but the actual consumer doesn't engage that much with Backerkit, and that's the buyer, right? And so although they have this amazing um, like portfolio of creators, I'm not sure they've engaged with the the actual buyer as much as like Kickstarter, like everyone's familiar purchasing on Kickstarter. I don't know if that has more to do with it. And that's why they've been a little bit slower. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot uh, of reasons, um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but also like, <sighs> Even, you know, backer kit, a lot of times like people still or and, and this is a consumer thing where uh -huh. once 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 the, the consumer is locked in what you are. Yeah, yeah. It is hard for them to change. Like it, it's often hard to, to change their perception. So Definitely. when when most creators hear backer kit, they are thinking this pledge manager that is used by oh, the the really big Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah. Like that's what they think the company is that like they backer kit equals this, this product. Yeah. And most Kickstarter campaigns actually don't sort of hit the threshold where strapping on this extra tool that takes, you know, hours to set up and then is an extra layer of things like doesn't make sense actually for the majority of project creators that launch on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of creators like business and all that, but, but right now backer kit is actually like, it's a crowdfunding support cust uh, company that has tools that I think every creator should use like their backer kit launch tool. Um, every creator should use it just to get some cool an analytics. And then most creators that have launched at least three, like, like probably I'd say three or more Kickstarter projects in the past, you definitely want to use backer kit launch because it will send a very targeted email to all of your past backers that have yet to back your new project. And that's the absolute best uh, people to put a message in front of. Yeah. Um, and they give you another way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a tool that they have. They also have a, a, a marketing um, platform where they will run ads on your behalf. Um, and, and, and so, and, and now they have the, the crowdfunding as well. So um I think there is always some growing pains when you go from, oh, well, we were just this one thing that we did very well to a suite of services for crowdfunders. And so, so there's that. Um, I also like I, part of it also, like I, at least in the comic space is, is choices. You know, it was, I, I think only in the last month or two that backer kit even put a comics category on their page, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were really focusing in on on you know pins and and uh, table tabletop games, um, and and so uh, no surprise that there were only like you know a handful of comic projects that I've ever launched on on Backerkit, yeah. um, but Kickstarter over the past couple of years and and in 2023, I think more than any year since I've been doing the podcast have has Kickstarter been making changes and upgrading their own platform and adding features that creators have been asking for for forever. Yeah. Um, and so I do think a big part of that is them recognizing, oh, we can't just sit on our laurels here, even yeah. though our laurels 
say that we have the biggest database of customers with credit cards on file so that we have one click purchase uh, ability. Um, and that is so huge, like reducing the friction to a pledge or a sale um, is absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, such that like, you know, crowdfund when crowdfunder first launched and I read their PowerPoint deck of like what they offered, it was funny to me because I'm like, oh, this is a, a crowdfunding platform that literally just is launching and their value proposition is, you know, the top 10 things that creators tell me uh, that as I've been interviewing, you know, doing interviews since 2015, like the top 10 things that creators tell me that, you know, irks them a little bit about Kickstarter. Well, we have a solution for that. And it was almost like that was the value proposition. But the challenge for something like Crowdfunder is, uh, you know, when you're when you've trained your audience to support you over on Kickstarter. And, and for me, at Comics Drive, like I'm 33 launches deep. Yeah. yeah. Like to incur to like all of a sudden send my people to somewhere else and ask them to set up a new account to do other like yes. and, and and then also like all of the stuff that kickstarter does on its back end to mm -hmm. promote projects and cross promote projects and make it uh and bring back past backers like mm -hmm. you do lose a lot of that and so in my comics launch pro program and community I do have, you know, there's over 300 creators that that are, you know, in my private community. And many of them are, you know, are experimenting with some of these, but I haven't really found too many that are like, yeah, you know, the grass is greener. Yeah. <laughs> outside of Kickstarter. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I've seen a lot of uh, creators, they'll do a Kickstarter, but then they also do an Indiegogo at the same time. And I know from a, like Indiegogo kind of becomes their everyday storefront where you could always purchase um, their comics through, whereas yeah. Kickstarter has a certain time frame. What are your thoughts about someone trying to juggle both of those? Is there a certain point where it makes sense or it's really good just to stick with one? Yeah. So I mean, I'm not a fan of trying to run simultaneous launches on simultaneous crowdfunding launches on different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason for that is because uh, it's it, these these platforms don't really operate on linear basis, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the more funds you make, the easier it is to make more funds, mm -hmm. and so if you are splitting your own audience and promoting two launches and, 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 and taking your messaging and, you know, splitting it up between, Hey, go get it on Kickstarter or go get it over here Yeah. for your own audience. You're diluting them. You're basically diluting both launches mm -hmm. so that your product on both pages is going to rank lower than either one would rank. If you had just focused all your effort there, which yeah. means that, you're going to get less eyeballs on it and attract less people yeah. um, that would discover you because of, you know, for your performance. And so I'm not a huge fan of like ever diluting, uh, of diluting those launches. Now uh, I do know a lot of creators that they're in their plan is they, they launch usually on Kickstarter and then they'll do uh, use Indiegogo in demand for their post-launch uh and and do pick up you know routinely a 10 to 20 percent more over there sometimes mm -hmm. a lot more based on the platform or, or, or the project 
Um, I mean, I think one of the advantages of the Kickstarter platform is that ticking clock that once it ends, it ends yeah. and you're, you're in or you're out. Um, Indiegogo, I've found like from a search functionality standpoint, like if everything can be alive at all times, then it just becomes like a big glut, gluttonous store. And, and so the opportunities actually to get your stuff seen by people, by traffic that you're not driving, um, goes down pretty significantly. Yeah. So, um, now that said though, you know, uh, there should be a way for people that miss the Kickstarter to get to still access some of the products that you make or some of the products that you offer. And so whether it's Indiegogo in demand or you're using a backer kit uh, pre-order store or sending people to your own uh, website or Shopify page, mm-hmm. um, that is definitely something that we teach and, and encourage people to do. But okay. um, yeah, um, but, but, but when you're in the midst of the launch, I, I think focus is your friend and, and yeah. folks, you know, drive all, all roads should lead to that, that one spot where you you want to amplify uh, what you're able to do because you know the bigger bonfire you make, the more people are going to come over to to sit in there. And... <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. You know there there's been a lot of talk on X about the where comic books are at today, right? And in the big two, you know, people are saying there's this big decline in readership, yeah. um, not collectability, but readership. Um, what I haven't heard a lot of talk about is the impact of crowdfunding and a lot of these amazing writers. I mean, Jeff Johns is a great example. Um, Scott Snyder, right. You have these amazing writers that have gone off to kind of do their own um, creations. And I think that's kind of hurt the big two until they find talent to replace that, which takes time. Right. But I think one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about is how big crowdfunding has gotten and I just feel like there's like this other level of competition to not even just the big two, just in general, the the big three, you could call them. Um, I don't know if you kind of have that same feeling. Like I, when you look at the numbers um, of how the big two are doing, I'm not sure they're taken in consideration. There's so many new opportunities to pick up so many new genres of comic books through crowdfunding. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. And do we know what percent of all comic book sales is coming from Kickstarter or crowdfunding in general? Um, so ever since the pandemic, like mm-hmm. the ability to get like those direct comic numbers have been seriously, seriously like hampered, you know? And so like on a month to month basis, it, like, nobody can really tell you exactly what anything is selling other than the the publishers themselves. And a lot of them keep the, those numbers to the, the to their, uh, to their vest or their chest. Yeah. Um, you know, even the biggest uh, comic book Kickstarters, like still in terms of raw numbers or total number of customers, mm-hmm. it's still relatively small mm-hmm. um, compared to like the, the order run sizes of some of the biggest books um but again that that only tells you what actually a relatively small number of retailers are are ordering for for books and 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 you know the the inflation of those numbers and everything like it's 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 very hard to you know say in absolute terms but uh 
comics crowdfunding has continued to rise pretty, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty steadily um, over the over the past. Uh, I mean, since I've been doing it, uh, since I've been paying attention, since I've been launching, um, and I think well over uh, it's like well over thirty million dollars uh, in just on the Kickstarter platform alone. And so, you know, if you factor in all crowdfunding, it's probably you know closer to fifty. $50 million a year um, is being raised on those platforms. Um, so that's a, that, that's a, that's a decent chunk. Um, yeah. But it is still, you know, we, we are still at a place, I think where 95% of the, you know, comic reading public is not backing Kickstarter projects regularly. So there's still, I think in, in this regard, room, room for it to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, and and but this year especially uh i think we've seen just the volume of projects go up significantly um you know traditionally december was uh, is like the slow month for yeah. crowdfunding projects um, a lot of people you know afraid to launch cuz they don't want to compete with your black black friday sales and your christmas holiday shopping season and everything but there were still you know last time i checked there's still close to 200 comic projects live on on Kickstarter, which is, is as many as I've seen in the month of December since I've been paying attention to it. Um, so, so yeah, the volume is definitely going up. Um, there are more creators that launch on a monthly or even multiple projects a month basis than there ever have been. And, you know, you go outside the big two Marvel and DC boom, IDW, uh, dark horse, like a lot of these publishers are now, Hey, you know, for our specialty projects, for the big honking things like the deluxe omnibuses, like it only makes sense to, you know, incorporate a crowdfunding model where you can sell deluxe super premium editions to direct to consumers and get 90% uh, in advance and, yeah. <laughs> and take home 90% of what they're investing yeah. uh, so that we can actually pay for right. these big, expensive, the direct market probably wouldn't be able to support uh, type projects. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward as well. And the other thing that I've noticed is um, retailers, there's, again, I think they look at Kickstarter as a, a negative and it's, competing against how they already run their business, which is through Lunar or through uh, Diamond. Mm -hmm. And so we don't see a ton of support from comic book retailers for projects that are on Kickstarter, Um, which, you know, obviously someone who creates comics, we would love to see more of that. I'm not sure if that bridge will ever be built. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Are you seeing more comic book retailers look to Kickstarter just to diversify their like portfolio of comic books within their store? Or do you think that that might not happen? Yeah. I mean, I totally understand from a retailer's perspective why supporting Kickstarters, supporting multiple Kickstarters Mm -hmm. uh, every month is not it's not a smart business move, right? Like, um, you know, most of them are operating on, you know, 30 day, 30 to 45 day pay cycles. And, and they're, you know, shelling out a lot of money each month and need to have that money bring in a quick return. So the, if my prospect is between, you know, ordering from lunar or diamond 
getting product and then paying for it 30 days later after I've had the opportunity to sell a chunk of it sure. uh, versus Kickstarter, where I'm paying up front, might get it anywhere from one to month to two years later, <laughs> uh, paying for, you know, usually full boat for shipping. Yeah. And getting maybe a 50% off discount, but maybe also not. Yeah. Uh, I totally understand why retailers are not, you know, super thrilled to support Kickstarters. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised that so many do. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of them might support projects from creators that they've had in their store or creators that they believe in much like, you know, uh, in addition to, Hey, I'm buying this, uh, a Kickstarter pledge is a little bit different because often a Kickstarter pledge might just be saying, Hey, I want this thing to exist or I want this creator to succeed, mm -hmm. whether they ever read the book or, or, or do anything with it when you send them, you know, something. Um, so that there are other reasons why people support crowdfunding above and beyond just that sale. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, we've had a lot of success at comic stripe, like offering, retailer tiers and mm -hmm. they're never like you know massively supported but we've had some campaigns where we get between you know five and ten retailers that come in at a retailer tier we usually try to you know offer a, a competitive a discount on buying in bulk and we usually try to offer some incentives uh or some things that they might want to take advantage of yeah. um and uh, and like store like co-branded uh, store like exclusive store exclusive mini prints or uh, sometimes you know little cameos or shout outs in the books etc. Uh, and so we've had some success offering it, but it is not like the main focus. Nor should I think it be creators' main focus. Like if if you're going into a Kickstarter campaign and you're like got to get retailers on board, um, it's just not. It, it's it's probably you know swimming upstream anyway um if sure. if you're you know yeah. unless you have one of those uh rare rare comic book retailers who's just sitting on a pile of pile of gold <laughs> and uh, looking for looking for um you know ways to spend it but i i have not found that that is uh yeah. the you know that's very common yeah i've i've met a lot of creators um over this last year and uh you know there's a lot of people that are experts at crowdfunding and when they, uh, when you work with them, from what I've heard is, you know, you get this list of retailers, they're, they're called Kickstarter friendly or crowdfunder yeah. friendly. <laughs> I get so many messages back going, dude, I sent emails or tried to call like 150 retailers and not one of them was interested. In fact, a lot of them said, we don't buy things through Kickstarter. Like, yeah. I don't know how that's like a selling point of how I'm going to support your Kickstarter is I'm going to give you a list of 150 retailers. And that's why I asked, I don't think it has been successful up to this point. In fact, I've never met someone who has gotten that list and like, dude, half of them bought my comic book. Um, so I, I thought it was kind of funny when I heard that. And that's why I wanted to ask you if you've heard the same thing or, or seen those lists that are, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, most when I when I look back at uh, the list of retailers, a, a lot of them that end up supporting our Kickstarter books end up being like online, primarily re retailers and resellers. Um, or they're retailers that I've made a personal connection with at some point yeah. over the years, um, yeah. you know, and and that they're supporting the the team and the 
creators and and uh and the imprint as as much as the project themselves mm-hmm. so so yeah uh you know cold calling retailers especially on a on a tuesday yeah <laughs> or or a wednesday uh, yeah. is usually uh not you know not terribly uh successful yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well tyler um how can people reach you and get your content yeah. So, I mean, usually the easiest thing is if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you know what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you just uh, search in your favorite comics uh, or your favorite po- podcast app, uh, Comics Launch, C-O-M-I-X Launch, uh, I will pop up and and then I can uh, jump in your uh, earbuds uh, every Sunday. We release weekly shows uh, and our our shows on the Comics Launch podcast are a mix of sort of one-on-one uh, topic-focused training shows where I'll share something, a new strategy that I'm working on or something that uh, that one of my Comics Launch Pro members like did and, and had tremendous success with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's some of the shows. Uh, we also do, I do uh, interview shows uh, with creators, uh, usually creators when they have a live Kickstarter project, but uh, we we don't tend to have most of the talk be about their project because I know my audience is comic creators and crowdfunders. And so <laughs> I always ask every creator, and this will go out to any creators that might be listening to this that are looking to get on some podcasts because that's yeah. always a good thing to do during a launch. Sure. Um, I, I always ask creators like, okay, great, you have a project, awesome. But what's a topic? What's an area of your expertise? What's a challenge or something that you want to bring up and discuss that's going to appeal to the creators out there so that we make it valuable for their time tuning in. Nobody wants to just hear a pitch, but I have found that like when people hear some really good advice and they also hear a little bit about the book that the person is working on chances that they actually want to go support that project, go through the roof versus just, Hey, here's how awesome my, you know, stick man (laughs) book is. So that that's, the podcast is definitely a, a great uh, place to, to just get more from, from me. We also just um, I'm trying uh, to test a few, th- do, do a few new things just in terms of outreach. Um, and so um, we're starting to publish uh, some content over on Substack for uh, Comics Tribe related stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So to keep track of the kinds of uh, books that we're putting out, um, just released a, a, a new, uh, the Comics Tribe Dispatch is our, our little newsletter that's going to go out on Substack. So if you're uh, on Substack or looking for some newsletter content, uh, you go to comicstribe.com forward slash Substack. Oh, actually, I totally butchered that. It's just comicstribe.substack.com yet. I haven't made a specialty link, but now, now I probably will go and do that. Um, (laughs) And so uh, you can get five, uh, download five free first issues of comics tribe books. So if you've never heard of comics tribe or want to check out some of our titles, we'll send you five of them. Um, And then the last thing I'll say is if, if you are somebody that um, is sort of new to the Kickstarter game, uh, don't worry, you haven't missed the boat. Uh, yeah. The best is yet to come. The platform is in so much better shape yeah. now than it was when, you know, I'm sure when we first started, um, projects, comic projects especially, are yeah. succeeding at a higher level than they ever have before. Uh, but if you still feel like you need a little support around that, I, I put together a free one-hour class. Uh, people can get that at comicslaunch.com forward slash class, and that'll take you through the four main steps that I've found uh, that 
lead to a successful Kickstarter launch. And um, and then at the end of that training, there's uh, some information about the Comics Launch Pro program and community that I run. Um, that's my chance to sort of help creators take things to the next level. That's awesome, man. Well, Tyler, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making time for me this morning, man. It's it's awesome to finally meet you. Like I said, I've been digesting your your content uh, probably since maybe April is when I you somehow popped up on my uh, Instagram. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty interesting. So I've been watching ever since. So uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your expertise. Congratulations on all your success. And uh, we'll make sure we put all the links um, below. That way, anybody that wants to uh, reach out to Tyler or to uh, consume the content that they're putting out is amazing. I think I'd like to close on one more thing. And you made a comment the other day of, and I, may, I might butcher this, you might have to step in, but how many creators getting into Kickstarter with their own project have never backed anybody on Kickstarter <laughs> or crowdfunding? Can you just kind of leave us with your thoughts on that and how important it is that you're supporting the the indie community like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I was on a success strategy call the other day. I do, I do these a few times a month um, where I just, you know, give some free time uh, to creators and, and chat for about 30 minutes. And one of the creators that I was talking to, uh, you know, was telling me what, what he wanted to do and and how he was ho hoping to use crowdfunding. Um, and one of the questions that I asked, and I knew the answer because I looked at his like preview page, but I asked him how many Kickstarter projects has he backed? And he's like, well, I've never backed any. And um, like, so you never had the experience of a backer, right? You, you, uh, and the comics Kickstarter community is awesome. Um, so I encourage you to be a part of it. And one of the ways that you can be a part of it is by backing other projects on Kickstarter and know that Kickstarter shows whether or not you've backed other projects. It makes that information available. Yeah, yeah. And it sends like a subtle message. Yeah. If, if, if that backer count of zero, um, I mean, that's one, like one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that there is this massive reservoir of trust that a backer is extending to you when they pledge to your project. They, they are giving you their hard earned money that they already worked for, yeah. for something that, that they, that you are then committing to deliver down the line, but that they know in most cases doesn't even exist yet, uh, yeah. at least in the finished form. And so there's a lot of trust there. So any every, any and everything that you can do on your Kickstarter page, and I've got a whole page design blueprint. We've talked, there's podcast episodes about it, and we have a whole module in our program about it. But your goal for your Kickstarter page is it needs to ooze trustworthiness. Yeah. And if you have a big fat zero for projects backed, I would just, I would want, does this person even know how Kickstarter works, <laughs> right? Like, uh, and, and, or are they just here because they heard you could make some money on Kickstarter? That's kind of the message that it sends out. And then it also sends that same message to uh, peers uh, and your, your creator peers getting support from other creators is one of the best things that you can do for your Kickstarter because Kickstarter has this great thing where when you, when a creator backs another creator, it will notify all of the followers of that creator's followers mm. what they back. Yeah. And 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 so I've had situations where I'll I'll have Kickstarters live and I'll see a flood of backing come in. I'm like, where did that come from? It's like, oh, well, the this big name Kickstarter creator backed this project, and then all of a sudden 
uh, here come some of their followers that have just suddenly discovered my project. But that's yep. not going to happen if you're not also just being a part of that community, giving back, you know, the old golden rule, do unto others what you would have done unto you. It works on Kickstarter. So, <laughs> uh, and, and, but the nice thing is, is like, they don't show how much total money you've backed. So even if all you can do is token $1 support, go back a bunch of projects. And the other thing that you'll get from that is you'll get access to their project updates. Mm -hmm. And if you've never backed, done a Kickstarter before, backing really great, successful Kickstarter projects, and then getting access to their updates to see what they're doing during a launch in order to maintain enthusiasm and uh, keep the funding coming in. Like that's an education that is worth far more than whatever you're pledging for it. And you'll often find, and I've got a nice stack on next to my bed right now, like there's some really great comics on the Kickstarter platform. Like I'm just catching up on um, my buddy, Colin Devonshire, he's uh, somebody in, in my course, but he's got this great series by the time I get to Dallas and I'm uh, getting caught up uh, on that uh, and and some anthology projects and so much. So, yeah. so yeah, be a part of the community. Uh, it will come back to you um, and, and pay dividends in the end. That's awesome, Tyler. Well, Tyler, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on today. I hope we could do this again sometime. Um, again, everyone get out there. Follow Tyler on all these different uh, links that I'm going to throw on there. Comics launch. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I hope you have a really good Christmas. You got a yes. you got a young one, so it's going to be a lot of fun, man. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Same to you, Tommy. Thank you so yeah. for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you. Have a good one. Bye now. Bye.